All right. Well, this is going to be the first of probably many um, sessions that I do in this class that I, I'm calling Eternal Purpose. This isn't going to be a class that uh, that goes on for years like some of my other, uh, like the Hebrews one, which we did for four years, and Ephesians for three years. or I don't know how, how many weeks this is going to be. It's going to be a number of weeks, uh, a few months, I don't know, but not, not, not uh, probably nearly as long as some of the other ones. Um, today I'm just going to give some some introductory things, talk a little bit about what we're going to be talking about in the class, and just kind of say some preliminary things that I think are going to be foundational and important um, for us as we go along. You know, I kind of wrestled with what to call the class. I honestly wanted to call it Israel My Son, but... That I just kind of I kept picturing people, new people online or people googling and coming up across that title and assuming that it had something to do with um, natural present day Israel. I know there's a lot of focus on that in the church today, and and, and that would have absolutely nothing to it would have nothing to do with that. Um, and I know it's kind of a really sensitive subject and a very passionate subject for some people and I kind of wanted to avoid that but it, but but I like the title because um because that's what you know first of all it's something God said in Exodus 4:22 and around there a couple of different times and you know go, Moses go tell Pharaoh that Israel is my son my firstborn now let my let my son go and everything that God does with Israel from that moment on is a picture of a corporate son. It's a picture of God relating to a people within the boundaries of his son. And that that corporate body, that corporate son, everything he does there, and, and he's the I am of it. That's what he said. You know, like his, in the same context, Moses is asking... You know what should I call you? And he says, "I am that I am." And 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 I could picture Moses saying, "You you are what?" And and God's response might be something like, "I'm everything that I'm about to show you for the next you know fifteen hundred years. I'm all of it. I am the Exodus. I'm the Lamb. I'm the door. I'm the blood. I'm the parting of the Red Sea. I'm the mountain that I'm going to plant you in. I'm." The covenant that I'm going to give with to you, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the cloud, I'm the high priest, I'm the, uh, the uh, ark of the covenant. You know, I mean, he could have just, I'm all of it. I'm all, everything that, and, and, and all of it's going to be happening, happening inside of this corporate people that I'm going to recognize and deal with, and I'm in a bunch of shadows and pictures of my son, and, 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 and I'm all of it. And, and Israel is my son. And to me, that phrase is the key that unlocks the entire Old Testament because that's what God's doing. Now, we're going to talk about the eternal purpose, and but the, but the eternal purpose is, is bound up in that corporate body, that corporate creation, that corporate man, however you want to say it. And everything is just right there. Anyway, I, I, I'm... I wanted to call this class Israel My Son, but I just kind of thought I might dodge some misunderstandings if I just called it the eternal purpose, because the eternal purpose is 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 bound up in the church or this corporate body or Israel My Son, and and um, and that's what we're going to be looking at. Okay, um, 
this class also, I'm, I'm trying to write, um, some things about this and, and I thought maybe as I did this class, I could kind of write down my notes for the class as I went through the class would, would end up, um, I, I could kind of put them together more into some kind of a written form. So we'll see if that happens or not, but that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, all right. So. You could say this class is about the eternal purpose of God. You could say it's about the church. You could say it's about Israel, my son. That's really all kind of saying the same thing in my mind. It's not, I didn't just make, in, in my understanding, I didn't just make three different statements. I, I, I think I kind of said the same thing in three different ways. And, uh, you could say, you could say that the eternal purpose is bound up with the church. But see, see, just saying that doesn't really say anything. In fact, in fact, just saying that to me, I think, is kind of dangerous because our propensity is always to look at spiritual reality to, or try to understand spiritual reality completely backwards. For instance, someone says, you know, God's eternal purpose is the church or is, tie, is bound up with the church. And then and what immediately we do is we think about the church what we've think, what we've seen about the church, what we've experienced, you know, what, what, um, you know, some people think they have good thoughts associated with the church. Some people have bad thoughts and, and, and whatever. But then we, 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 we grab onto that understanding, that experience, that definition that exists in our natural mind. And then we say, okay, so God's eternal purpose is that. So since I know the church, since I've experienced what the church is, therefore now I understand God's eternal purpose. And I just want to say, I want to, I want to, I want to scream and say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Do not do that. Stop right there and flush every single thought that you've ever had like that because that's not how you know spiritual things. You don't take your understanding of something you've seen and then apply it to God's eternal purpose and understand it. No, you you look you you let the Lord open the eyes of your heart, awaken your soul to His view of the eternal purpose, and then as that and and as we look at that from a bunch of different angles and a bunch of different scriptures and all of God's pictures and promises and prophecies and descriptions all throughout the Old Testament. Um, of that reality, then you can start to understand a little bit of the church. You, if, as God begins to show you what he's always, in other words, let me put it this way. As God begins to open the eyes of your understanding to see what he has always wanted and the way that he wants it and the, and the things that he has done, the, the angles that he has described it from and, and the things that he has done to secure it, and 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 the purpose for it, and the way he gives himself to it, and, and all of that begins to not just be concepts in your mind, but but living views in your soul through the the eye of faith. Uh, then 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 the church begins to be something to you that it that it already is to God. Then then the reality of God's perspective defines the word church instead of your understanding of the church defining trying to define God's perspective. You see what I'm saying? Because, you know, what you think about the church is actually what we're trying to get rid of in this class. I, and you might, you may, you know, you may be someone that, that, that says, uh, no, I have a great, I love the church, you know, and, 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 and I, that doesn't matter. I mean, maybe you love the church because, 
I mean, there's, there's a million natural, completely circumstantial personal reasons why people love or hate the church, but it has nothing to do usually with God's perspective. You know, someone says, well, yeah, I love the church because, you know, I just, I, I, I have a real nice pastor and like I, I did this children's, you know, thing growing up where we went to this camp and man, it was just a, the church was a great experience for me. Okay. Well, that's, that's, in, that, that's nice and I'm glad and, 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 but, but that's not what the church, church isn't a camp or a pastor or a nice building or friendly people or good coffee. And, and you know, and then another person says, oh, I hate the church. And you say, why do you hate the church? Well, because, you know, the pastor threw a hymnal at me and, you know, when I was seven and, and not only that, but, you know, I don't know. And you have a bunch of bad experiences with what you call the church. That has nothing to do with the church either, you know? Yeah, someone told me that I was going to hell when I was 15, and ever since then I've hated the church. Well, that has nothing to do with the church either. Do you see what I'm saying? Your experiences of natural people in a natural building with natural religious activities, good or bad, should not be your understanding of the church. Your understanding of the church should be God's understanding of the church works in you by His Spirit opening the eyes of your heart and and teaching and there's so you know there's so much people are it's it's weird to say this but the church is like um it's such a hot topic you know i mean there's so many different opinions and thoughts about you know do you do mega church or mini church or home church or you know worship church or silent church or is it a warfare church or is it a i mean there's so many different kinds of churches and how do you do church and all these these cool little blogs you can follow about people trying new church experiences what about the web church and this church whatever none of that i mean i'm not saying that all those things are bad necessarily in terms of expressions of the church or whatever but that none of them define the church you don't just just try out a new model and see if it works you know what you do is you 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 let the lord define the the thing in the light of his own understanding and then the natural stuff lines up with it and maybe you do do some meetings uh, you know in a house or a building or a, online or whatever but the the definition of the church is that thing that god has always seen and wanted and brought about through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? So what I'm saying is that saying the eternal purpose of God is the church, it's it's not just not saying anything. It's actually, if you can just not even think, just let the Lord, I say this before almost all my classes and in and, and some way or another in many of my teachings, I, I just... The greatest enemy you have to knowing the truth is the collection of thoughts that you already have about it. And, you know, it's just always in the way of folks. It's always in my way. It's always, you know, let's let, let's, let's put down our ideas at the very outset of this class and let's let the Lord start to deal with our hearts about what's real. You know, because one person says, wow, you know, if the eternal purpose of the Lord is the church, then he must have really low standards because the church is a mess, you know. 
well, what you think is a mess or what you think is awesome, you know, it, it doesn't define anything. And I'll keep saying that, but our view of the church doesn't change anything. It, it doesn't make the church any better or any worse. Um, what we need is God's understanding. All right? And what we're going to find, I think, is that God's understanding of his eternal purpose comes to be realized and known in this corporate body that we can call the church. We can call it a lot of things. In fact, there's a lot of different language that describes the exact same reality in the Old Testament. But let me just say this. Man has... It should strike us as important. It's it should give cause uh, for for some just kind of stopping us in our tracks and thinking for a moment that that God wants something. Have you ever just stopped and think, thought about that? Like God, God doesn't need anything. I'm sure that He was completely content before any physical creation came out from Him and pointed back to Him, but um. The fact that he wants something should stir your heart because I mean, he doesn't, he, just, I don't know, just, just, just I think about that sometimes. It's like, well, God, you want something. Okay, that's really important because you're God. And man has a bunch of wants too. Man has so many things that we want from God and and we have all kinds of purposes that we want to use God for we don't usually say it quite like that but but that's what you know what we want we we like having God uh the, the idea of spiritual resources available for instance when natural ones fail us we like the idea of having a spiritual body when our natural one gets old and dies we like the idea of having a God that can protect and bless and 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 uh, you know look after our most valuable things, we we like having a God, and we have purposes in our hearts for that relationship. There's something or other we like about it, you know. But the question I want to pose to you is: Is what you like about that relationship? The same thing that God likes and God wants is, in other words, is your expectation has it has it been conformed to His expectation? Is what you want an outworking and an expression of the thing that He wants, has always wanted, and the reason for which He created all things? Because in the great majority of all of us, and and, and still probably in all of us in many ways. Still, it is not. I have this is what you see when Israel comes out of Egypt. They all had their own purposes for God. They 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 had expectations. God wasn't meeting them. They were murmuring or mumbling or whatever, complaining. Why? What? What gave them the right to complain? What gave them the even the thought to complain? Personal expectations. Personal personal purposes for God, personal ways they wanted to know Him, experience Him, worship Him, receive from Him. You know, they they, they kept trying to create. So, you know, only one time they actually fashioned their imaginations and thoughts into a golden image, but that that wasn't the only time they actually tried to create God after their own understanding. They they they, they never stopped doing that. 
he should do this. He should let me be pre, you know, the sons of Korah. Why, why is Aaron the only high priest? We all can do this thing. Or, you know, he, he should be giving us what we need in this way and in that way. And, and, uh, you know, why isn't he giving us a wider variety of food groups? You know, whatever it was, they were all full of their own purposes for God. And yet the, God's purpose was single. It was perfect. It was complete. And and it never changed. Nothing changed it. In fact, when the entire... And this should, again, give you pause. To, I mean, when the entire group of them... I mean, who knows how many there were. It says 600,000 men of fighting age. So, I mean, that's a lot of people. If you had the children and the women... That when when they a, a few different times God tells Moses step away from them I'm going to consume them all and start over again with you but like Moses is like you just took them out of Egypt you know I mean they've been in there for 400 years and they've multiplied you know you did the whole Red Sea thing the plagues you're going to do all of that again and I can picture the Lord saying yeah, absolutely I'll do it again I'll do it again five thousand times because my purpose until I find a people who will walk according to my purpose because my purpose isn't going anywhere and 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 Moses you know I'm making up this conversation but Moses I'm sure is quite shocked and in his mind is you know wow this is about your this isn't about just getting an oppressed people out of a bad situation this is about something that you want. This is about something that you desire. You have a desire. And, and and apparently your desire is not our desire. And and I think it you know it came to be with Moses and Joshua and Caleb and some of the ones who began to see by faith and to, to walk in his light to some extent as it was available under their covenant in the old the old covenant. But there was something that God wanted. Man has a multitude of purposes for wanting a God. But God has one purpose. One perfect, big, awesome purpose for wanting a creation. Okay? And it's not complicated. Uh, it's big. It's huge. It's immense. It's, it's bottomless. But it's not complicated. You never see, when you're seeing something in the light of the Lord, you never, you never sit, sit there and look at it and, and you say, wow, that's really complicated. I, I don't really understand. It's not like that. In the light, it seems single, simple, but huge. And that's what, that's what we're going to find about the eternal purpose of God. It's not complicated. It's not a bunch of different things. You got to remember them all. It's not like learning, you know, uh, I don't know, math or history where you have to memorize all these facts and apply them here and there and don't forget this because that'll come in handy when you need to learn this. And it's not like that. In the light, things are obvious. In the light, you just see. But you realize when you're seeing that you're not seeing the fullness of it. It's not a matter of, of of a convoluted maze of information it's just a matter of one single thing filling up your heart and becoming the motivation that moves you do you understand what i'm saying so that's what i want to happen during this class i want us to be gripped by the thing that has motivated god to create to redeem, to send his son, to save. The thing, the, there's a reason, you know. 
God, God, saving you was not God's purpose. God saved you for a purpose. Do you see the difference? We're so self-centered. We're so man-centered. We actually think that God's eternal purpose is getting us to, you know, saved from hell or saved from sin. I just read that the other day. Someone, someone was criticizing another Christian, saying uh, that that it's a lie in the church to say that God's purpose was to save us from hell, because God's purpose is to save us from sin. And they were going on and talking about how we should, whatever they were saying, that didn't matter. But I just wanted to say both of those. I mean, there's there's a little there's a little bit of truth in both of them, but there, but but both of those are totally man-centered. Do you think God just created people to to watch them fall and then fix it? I mean, or do you think He actually had something else in mind, something bigger, something larger that that moved His heart, that that wanted that He wanted that that doesn't have to do with just fixing the problems that are created by man's sin and blindness. He, he does have something bigger. He always has. And that's what I want to see. And if I were just to summarize that, and, and that's all I can really do um, today, and, and, and we'll expand upon it you know, in the coming weeks, but if I were just to, to summarize, I would say that the eternal purpose of God is bound up with this corporate thing. I'm just going to call it a thing because you could you could call it a creation, you could call it a kingdom, you could call it the church, you could call it a body, you could call it a wife or a bride, you could call it a harvest. And so I don't really know what to call it. It's a corporate it's a corporate body or a thing or a kingdom or create. I mean it's any of those things. But because those are all the, the, the Old Testament is just replete with pictures of all of these things, but they're not different. They're all one thing. But but it's, but it's important that you have a view of all of them. I mean, in other words, well, it's important that the Lord shows you his one purpose through all of these perspectives because, because they're all created arrows that point to this, uh, this one perfect, this one perfect, uh, purpose. So again, the eternal purpose of God is bound up with this corporate corporate thing or body, creation, whatever, that receives all that he is, all that God is and has, which has to do with the love of God, and thereby becomes the increase and expression of it, which has to do with the glory of God. Okay? Now, let me just say that again. Just that I want. I just, if anything, if only one thing gets stuck in your head, you know, in your heart, whatever. This time, I want it to be this: the eternal purpose of God is the, is bound up with this one corporate thing that receives all that He is and has, which is the love of God. I, I mean, the love of God is the giving of all that He is and has. That's what love is, and that corporate thing becomes bears in itself the increase or expression of it. I think if you were to ask God, and, and again, don't, never take me too seriously when I say stuff like this. I, 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 I'm speaking, I think, out from you know having, having seen a couple little things, but but uh, you know I don't particularly like it when people speak 
uh, for God, so I don't really like it when I do it any, too, but I don't know how else to communicate, communicate this. So, anyway, don't take me too seriously when I say this, but, but I, th- I think there's a little bit, I think there's a sliver of truth in this. I think if you were to ask God, you know, like God, you know, if, if God just told you his eternal purpose was to create this corporate body that would receive his, his life and then bear it, bear that image, and you ask him, why? Why, Lord? You know, okay, that's that's a really neat plan. That's pretty amazing. But why? Why? Why did you even do it? I mean, there you were, I suppose, before the creation of the world in the in the fellowship of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, not lacking anything. What moved you to to even do this purpose? Why did you even have it? You know, and I, I think. That the answer to that question, I think, if, if we understand these two words correctly, I think that the answer to the why, or part of the answer to that why, is is these two words, love and glory. Love and glory. Now, now both of those words need to be defined by the spirit of truth in our soul, or we will do what I talked about before and just take all of our own experiences and imaginations and ideas and Bible verses we've memorized and just come up with a bunch of man-centered, um, natural-minded stuff and try to define those things. But as the Lord begins to open the eyes of our heart to to those realities, um, I think you could, you could see that love, in fact, the scripture says God is love. It doesn't really say God is glory, but it kind of implies it in a, in a, in a bunch of places. Um, that what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that that the very nature of God is to give Himself, is to pour. It's not was it? It wasn't even just like a plan. Like hey, I have a good idea. I think it's part of God's own being and nature to pour out himself, to share himself, to give himself. And yet, to give himself, he has to give himself to that which can receive him and, and bear him and not try to mix other things with him. And, 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 and so there's a very specific kind of creation, the new creation in Christ, that he can give himself to. But, I, but my, my point is that I think that love is this aspect or this reality in God's being where he... He's like a—I picture him just like a waterfall. It's like you know, how do you stop a waterfall from pouring out? I mean, how do you? That's just what he—what it is, you know. It's like a—how do you stop Niagara Falls from just giving itself constantly? That's what Niagara Falls is, and in that kind of way, that's part of God's being and substance and nature too—is this giving of Himself, and yet He cannot give Himself to something that is totally contrary to Him, opposite to Him, that isn't a vessel of honor, that's a vessel of trash. And and so he creates this thing, this body, this kingdom, this bride, whatever that can receive that that's actually made out from his same life. It's not we're not Christ, but we're made we're made through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We're taken from his side, and we're made to bear him, to receive him, and to be filled up with him. And then the the, the result is that we become. In our, it's like that uh, analogy I used to use years ago of the diamonds. You know, you take a big truckload of diamonds and you just dump them on someone's driveway, 
and 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 it's dark outside and 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 someone's like get these rocks off my driveway you know they're they're useless and then the sun comes out in the morning and and then you're and and then all the diamonds bear in themselves and exp- and, and make manifest what's in the light what's already the, it's not they don't have anything in them the, the darkness the part about the darkness is just to prove that they don't have anything in themselves that's what but because if they were just rocks if they were just little stones the sun wouldn't do anything you know it wouldn't go in them and through them and make manifest they, they, they would if someone they would just say get these stones off my driveway but suddenly they're diamonds and they're precious but what makes it precious it's precious because the light enters and fills and it bears the glory of the sun it doesn't have any glory of its own but it bears that glory right so that's what god does with the church he doesn't make himself any different he doesn't add it, it, the church isn't adding anything to him but it does become this enlargement or this greater expression or reality of what he already is and, but but in order for it to become that it has to receive um all things from him it has to receive every it has to receive the love of god romans chapter 5 verse uh, verse 9, I think. Or no, is it 9 verse 5? No, it's 5 verse... Well, somewhere in there. I think it is. It's oh, 5 verse 5, that's what it is. 5 verse 5. Uh, uh, it's something close to... Um, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Spirit He has given to us. So how did God give you... It's not that God loved you so He gave you His Spirit. It's not what it's, that's not what that verse is saying. He's not saying God loved you so much that He gave you His Spirit. No, He's saying the love of God has been poured out by the Spirit. In other words, the, the love of God... Here's the love of God. It's the Spirit that He gave you. He poured, it out, he poured out His love in this... And the container... Of his love, the thing that that defines his love or puts puts a name tag on it or a boundaries around it is his spirit. What's the love of God? It's his spirit that he's given to you. What do you give it to you for? Well, I mean, yes, you get to receive that, and we are the eternal beneficiaries of that love. And yet, there's a purpose for giving it, and it's glory. Okay, so again, let me, let me go back to this statement: the eternal purpose of God is bound up with this corporate thing. Call it a creation, a kingdom, a church, a body, a wife, a harvest, because all these pictures fill the Old Testament that receives all that he is and has, and that becomes the increase in expression of it. Love and glory. And you know these pictures? There's pictures of this all throughout the natural creation. You know, we're so blind. We are so blind that we don't even, we, we walk around, you can walk around in the natural world for 80 years bumping into natural pictures of this purpose and totally not even seeing that that's what you're that's what you're seeing every day of your life you, you know you go you go outside and and and, and the the plants they 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 drop a seed into the earth and then it but then it comes back up again you know and then the seed gives into the earth its life and, and and yet it and yet it rises and has an increase coming back up you know and or or just like uh, Isaiah talks about the sun uh, or the the rain that falls to the earth and doesn't 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 uh fall and stay there and 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 it, but it, it's not it, the mission is not uh unfruitful because then what rises up 
um, it, it returns with having complete. It's talking about the word of God and how the word of God is like water or snow that falls to the earth and does not return void because it brings back up with it a harvest of what it sowed into the earth. I mean, we see these these kind of pictures are all around us in the natural creation. God designed it that way. It's not. It's not like these things look a little bit like, or it's not. It's not like you know. God says, you know what, my son, my purpose is a little bit like trees and rain. And stuff. No, no, those things were created to look a little bit like Christ. That's what they're there for. That's why he made them. And and we're so blind that we miss it. We walk, our, we walk th- in this world of shadows and testimonies and pictures, all created by God to point to one thing that he wants, and we miss it. Not only that, we grab these things, we have a purpose of them for ourselves. You know, we we take the things that he made to point to his purpose, and and all we can think to do with them is you know, is is use them for our own purposes, and that's just you know that's just what we do. Um, but God has a purpose, and I think the reason for the purpose is because the nature of God is to give Himself and to glorify Himself. I think it's to love and and what is glorify except to 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 reveal to make known to show uh show forth um all that he is and has and he does that in this corporate thing he does that's that's where he does it he's he's decided to create and creation don't think of, when you think of creation don't think of just you know chickens and bushes and rocks think of something that came out from god that he created to bear himself and point. the natural creation could only do it in a shadowy type way but there's a new creation in christ that actually can bear all that he is and and showcase it in its perfection as a new creation in an, as a new man in a new covenant forever all right so um so we're going to look at these different pictures uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll go through pictures of creation and kingdom and church and body and wife and harvest and all these things and we'll see that every one of them has been has been fulfilled um and made made manifest uh and it is being made manifest or it's been fulfilled and yet the fulfillment of it is growing in a people it's been accomplished it is finished and yet the and yet what's finished in him needs to become finished in us you see so you read a verse like, for instance, Ephesians three. If you want to turn to Ephesians three twelve, this is a, or maybe it's three eleven. It's a great, um, great verse, and, and it just says exactly what we just said a bunch of times. But uh, it says, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, which he accomplished. And he didn't say he's going to accomplish it or he's accomplishing it. He did it. He did it. Every one of these pictures, the way that the harvest comes about, the body, the bride, all that joining himself, you know, all that's it's it's accomplished. His eternal purpose is. In fact, if you go back up a little bit, it says, 
Um, and verse starting in verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. So something was hidden in God who created all things through Christ. The, the word became the expression of these things, the creation of these things to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, by the church, by the corporate thing, body that, that bears in itself the unfolding of this mystery. Do you see? Made known by the church to the principalities and powers in, in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished, which he brought to pass in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, um, this is something we're going to see too, is that the, these aren't things we're waiting for God to do. He's done all that needs to be done. What, what needs to happen now is that you and I must bear in ourselves this, this reality. I mean, he, he's accomplished the purpose. He's, he's perfectly, um, done, done all the work associated with it and created this new creation and created this bride that came out from his side and was given back to him. And he's created this kingdom that he reigns in and his, but now we must know this purpose as the, 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 the sole reason that we exist and experience what he has done becoming the reality that we live in. All right? So, I'm just going to uh, just kind of break down uh into four categories what we're going to look at in this in this um in this class. That's kind of the way I have it in my mind at least right now. I have I, and then we're going to stop for today, but I have I have um I have the class kind of broken down into four separate sections. Uh, the the first has to do with the identity of the church. What is it? What, what is it? How does God see it? How does God define it? Um, and there's a lot of things in there, but um, I guess the definition or the reality, the identity of the church will be the first thing we talk about. And, and, and again, how that relates with Old Testament pictures, especially with Israel. Then, then we're going to talk about the birth of the church. How does God create it? Where did it come from? Does he just grab some people and round them up and say, hey, okay, you guys are the church? Or is there a specific and very detailed way that he shows that this thing comes about? How does he create the church? And we'll look at this from a bunch of different stories. Again, we're going to be using the Old Testament to, to, to demonstrate these things because that's what the Old Testament is. You know, the Old Testament is a collection of testimonies that point to, to one eternal purpose in Christ. Period. That's what, that's, you know, it's, it, it seems kind of weird now for someone to say to me, oh, you want, you're going to talk about this from the Old Testament. And, and, I mean, I, I understand where that comes from. We're not really used to, unfortunately, looking at the Old Testament like that, but, at the same time, like I just these days, I just want to reply. Well, where else did you think I was gonna talk about this from? You know, did you did you think I was gonna t 
talk about it from the New Testament. I mean, the New Testament is just the declaration of the fulfillment of all the things that are in the Old Testament, you know? The New Testament doesn't even have, I mean, it has, it has teaching about some, some of these things, but mostly just gathering up the shadows and the pictures and the fragments of the Old Testament and declaring them to be real in Christ. If you want to look at where the actual pictures are, you have to go to the Old Testament. You can't just, you can't just go to the New Testament where, where, you know, Jesus says, I am the door. You have to go back to all the pictures of the door and understand what, what the door is that he is. You know, he's, he's I aming a door. And there's, there's a lot of pictures of doors. Well, it's the same thing with the body of Christ. You know, Paul talks about the, Jesus talks about building the church and on this rock and, 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 and Paul talks about the, you know, the, the living stones and he mentions some of these things. But if you want to go to where those pictures are established, you're not really going to find a whole lot of that in the New Testament. You're going to find that the New Testament is the declaration of the old fulfilled. And the descriptions of these things are in the Old Testament. And that's why the Old Testament exists for us. It's not just the history of Israel. So, yeah, we're going to go through the Old Testament. We're going to be going through not now all of it, but we're going to go looking at these pictures because if you want to know where the church came from, you got to read the story of Jacob. And, and, cause that, cause it's when he's coming out of Laban's house with two companies that the Lord says, you're Israel. You've wrestled with man and with God, and, and now you're, from now on, you're Israel. You know? If you want to, if you want to look at, or, or if you want to look where, where the bride came from, you got to go to, you got to go to, um, well, among other places, Adam and Eve. But Paul himself says that. Um, where does the church come from? You have to go to that door because all of them went into a door and they all came out of the door one new man. And, and, and how are you going to possibly understand what that means unless you go to the God-given description of it? And let the Spirit deal with your heart there. So, okay, the identity of the church, the birth of the church, the third thing is the relationship of the church. So now that we're, we're, there is this body, this corporate thing, how does God relate to it? How does God see it? What's involved in it? How, what's, what, what are the aspects of the relationship? You know, what, what's included? What's excluded? Where are all the pictures pointing to it? And there's tons, uh, there's tons and tons of pictures about how God relates to this thing that he has given his love to and created for his own glory. So we'll look at the relationship of the church. And the fourth thing is the purpose of the church. Why did he do it? Where are the descriptions in the Bible of the the reason? I mean, there's a little, again, there's little statements in the New Testament about how we are a praise of his glory or let the to him be the glory forever and ever, amen. But if you want to know what glory is and means and looks like and what what the, how that works in a people, and, and then you have to go back to the places where God demonstrated all of these things. So we'll have to go back to the kingdom of God and all the pictures of of God's glory filling up a land, and we'll have to look at the the glory in the you know in the tabernacle and the temple, the places where we see the purpose for which God made, created this living corporate um, body that receives his son and bears his image. Okay, so again, identity of the church, birth of the church, relationship of the church, purpose of the church. Those are the four main categories of things that we're going to be talking about. And I think I'll just leave it there uh, for this week.